Let's go, folks. I'm excited to start this brand new sermon series. Uh, I got to be honest with you, the idea first popped in my mind while listening to my favorite podcast called Nate Land. You don't need to go listen to that, but it's, it's pretty funny and it's clean and it's, it's good. But uh, I've had this idea floating around in my mind for a long time about how we need to um, get away from this mindset of hoping that the loss just come to us. And I appreciate what Kendall had to say uh, last week about um, going out and winning the loss. But, uh, and I don't know, maybe it's the former coach in me uh, that's just trying to get the players fired up. I don't know what it is. But I feel like we need to get out of the mindset of just sitting here hoping that people come to us and, and we get out of the, the four walls of the church and go win the loss to Jesus Christ. And, and I've been dealing with this thought for a while now. Because not one time in Scripture do I ever read where we are to just gather on Sunday morning and sit and hope that they show up. Not one time have I ever found that. Not one time have I ever seen where it says, you know, hey, if, 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 you, just, uh, if you just open the doors, people are going to gravitate in and, and sit down. They're going to like a church and stay. We're told to go. So let's go, folks. That's, that's the title of this whole series. Again, I appreciate what Kendall had to say. I know you were challenged last week, uh, and hopefully you uh, maybe helped develop a little bit more of a heart for the lost over this past week. But here's the deal. The lost are not going to just come to us. We need to go out and get them. As I said just a moment ago, the Lord has called us to be fishers of men. Now, I'm not a fisherman. I've been a few times in my life. I am not a fisherman. I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm pretty sure that anytime anybody goes fishing, they don't just get in a boat and they go down the river, they go across the lake or wherever they might be fishing, and the fish don't just jump out of the water into the boat. Does that happen to you when you go fishing? There is one type of fish I did discover... Uh, that there is one type of fish, it's called the silver carp. It's been known to fly up out of the water and land in people's boats. Watch this little clip here. <laughs> but sometimes you just hear it. You can't keep your head on a swivel. I mean, I look up and he's getting oh. wet. Oh, there we go! Don't you wish being fishers of men were that easy? Don't you wish that we could just say, hey, you know, come on, open the door, boom, 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 they all just kind of run and jump in and fill the seats. We all know that it doesn't happen that way, and Jesus knew it wouldn't happen that way, and so He said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And He said, I'll be with you the whole time, even to the end of the age. He didn't say, just sit in your buildings and hope that they come to you. He didn't even say, build it and they will come. That's a nice line in a movie about a baseball field built in the middle of a cornfield. And, and, you know, that's kind of a cool movie, but it doesn't work in the church circles that way. So let's go, folks. Let's go make disciples. But how do we do that? How do we make disciples? How do we go? When do we go? Um, you know, I, I got to admit this last Wednesday night was a lot of fun when we did the Kona ice thing. There were a lot of people coming through that and we probably would have, goodness, maybe had 150, 200 people come through if the rain hadn't hit us about an hour into it. But it was a wonderful evening and a lot of love was shared with the community. 
And, and uh, we were able to sow some seeds. And, and so that was one way of, of doing it. And I think that's going to pay off for us. But our mission statement says we are a community of followers devoted to connecting and serving all people through the good news of Jesus Christ. How devoted are we to going and connecting? How do we do this? I think there's several ways and, and they all require the action of going. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but I think it's a good starting point for us to uh, get a hold of that will help us to uh, make disciples. And with today being the 4th of July, and this holiday is all about freedom, it's all about our independence, I thought it would be a great idea for us to start with our freedom in Christ and how that looks. And so I want us to go, let's go, and live our lives in freedom. Because I believe a life lived in freedom is an incredible witness to a world that is chained to sin. I believe that when the world sees Christians living their life in freedom from addiction, freedom from people's opinions, freedom from debt that sometimes traps us and enslaves us, and so many other things that Satan throws at us, when someone who doesn't know Jesus sees us Christians living in freedom, in the freedom that grace offers to us, it's very appealing to them, and there's a good chance that they're going to be more more curious about what we have that they might not have. And the opposite is true as well. If we as Christians are living our lives in this just really uh, down mindset where we're living our lives as if we are not free from our sin and we're carrying this guilt around and we're carrying this shame around in our lives, I believe that is a turnoff to the non-Christian. And so the non-Christian is going to conclude that there's not much to this Christianity stuff because look at the way they're living their lives. They're just as depressed as I am. They're just as downtrodden as I am, yet they claim to be forgiven of all of their, their sins. It's certainly not making a difference in their lives. Look at Debbie Downer, how she's living her life. She claims to be a follower of Jesus. So how do we live our lives in, in freedom? How do we get to the point where we go out and we live our lives uh, in, in the grace and in the freedom that, that Jesus offers, but don't do it to the extent that where we're abusing the grace that Jesus offers, you know? Let's look at Galatians chapter 5 for our text today. We're going to be in, uh, starting in verse 1. We'll go through to verse 12. And we'll just read that first verse together. And this is the only one we're going to read together. I want us to read it out loud. Just verse 1. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let's just stop right there. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's the whole reason He came. And so we must embrace this freedom that we have in Christ. According to Paul, the whole reason that Jesus came in the first place was to give us freedom. That's why He came. The definition of freedom is the state of exemption from the power or control of another. Liberty. Exemption from slavery. Servitude or Confinement. And so as Christians, we need to stop allowing Satan to have so much control in our lives. It bothers me when I see people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, yet they give Satan so many areas of their lives to have rule in. There are way too many Christians 
who are not living a life of freedom. Way too many followers of Jesus who act as though they're still chained to their past. There are far too many people who claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and they act as though they've never met Him. You think about all of the people that Jesus met in Scripture. And they believed that He was the Son of God. And when they met Him and they believed that He was the Son of God, it completely changed everything about them. It changed the way that they lived their lives. You think about the woman at the well. You think about the blind beggar. You think about the paralyzed man at the pool. You think about the woman caught in adultery. You think about Saul on the road to Damascus. Every single one of them were changed when they met Jesus and believed that He was who He said He was. And you might be thinking, well, that's different. All these people, you know, they met, they met Jesus and Jesus performed this incredible miracle in their lives and so it changed their lives because Jesus performed this incredible miracle. Listen to me. There is no greater miracle in your life than when Jesus went to the cross and He died for your sins and He saved you from hell. That's the absolute biggest miracle that we've ever been given. And live your life of freedom waiting to go to heaven. You know, that, that's, an incredible, that's an incredible thing to think that, that Jesus left heaven, went to the cross, died for us, rose from the dead on the third day so that we could live this life of freedom down here. And so we've got to embrace that. I feel like there are far too many people who have not embraced that. They're kind of like, oh yeah, you know, it's kind of a nice thing. Grace is nice. I'm really happy about it. But, but we're going out and living as if it didn't really matter. You know? And I know that there are some of you who are here today. And I know there's some of you who are watching online. I, I know that you've been through some stuff. You know? I, I know that some of it is of your own choosing. And some of it is not. And for some reason, you, you, you just can't, you can't let it go. And you're still chained to your past. And you're still chained to those decisions. Or you're chained to that event that might have happened to you. I cannot urge you enough to do your best to let your past stay in your past. Just a few weeks ago in the Romans series, we discussed how God has forgiven us of our sins and He took the righteousness that Jesus had and He placed His righteousness on us so that when He looks at us, He sees perfection. He sees Jesus. He doesn't see that mistake. He doesn't, even though you remember that thought, He doesn't remember that thought. Not only has He forgiven you of what you have done, but He has forgotten what you have done. Not only does He not remember that promise that you made to Him when you were in trouble and you said, hey God, I promise that if you get me out of this mess or if you help me feel better or you make me well, I will go to church every Sunday. I'll start tithing. I'll get involved in a small group. I'll even work in the nursery. Even though we break those promises, God's forgiven you of that and He's forgotten it. Yet we keep going back to the same old thing. The same old thing that has haunted us for years. And God's saying, listen, just let that go. And live in, 
in freedom. And I think Paul is telling the church at Galatia, I think he's telling the church at East Columbus Christian here today that we need to embrace this freedom. I was reading this devotional yesterday morning uh, when I got up by Tony Evans and, and he said this, he said, God looks at your future while the enemy tries to keep you in your past. God says you can, in spite of what has been done, the enemy says because of what you've done you can't. God will never define you by your past issues, but the enemy will try to confine you by them, whether it's the good, bad, or ugly that dominates your life. It is Satan's goal to keep you chained there. And it was Jesus' goal to free you from that. That's why He went to the cross. But a lot of us are living as if we don't even know that we're free. We don't realize that we don't have to live that way. I heard a story about uh, something that happened back in 1862. uh, September 23rd, 1862. Any history buffs know what that date is? That's real close. Emancipation Proclamation. I know you all were going to get there eventually, right? The Emancipation Proclamation issued by Abraham Lincoln. However, it was not until June 19, 1865 that a Union general read the Emancipation Proclamation in Galveston, Texas to alert the Texas slaves that they were free. And so for three years, they lived under the power of slavery. They continued to live their lives powerlessly under the rule of their masters, not realizing that they had been set free. When Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago and He died for your sins, three days later He rose from the grave and He defeated sin and He defeated death and He defeated the grave and He bought your freedom. Don't continue to live your life as if this incredible event never happened. Or as if you've never heard of it. That makes no sense to me why we would want to live our lives in chains when we've been set free from those chains. Some of you know that I'm the chaplain for the fire department, and because I am, I know the answer to the following question, and I've asked this question before, and I've shared this with you before, but just as a reminder, uh, the question has been asked, why are fire trucks red? Has anybody ever wondered why fire trucks are red? I've told you this before, but here's, here's why, okay? You see, and these are some of our uh, finest here in, in Columbus. Fire trucks have four wheels and eight men, and everybody knows that four plus eight equals 12, right? There are 12 inches in a foot, and a foot is a ruler. And Queen Elizabeth II is a ruler, and also one of the names of the largest ships on the seven seas. Now, seas have fish, and fish have fins, and fins fought the Russians, and Russians are sometimes called reds, and fire trucks are always Russian somewhere, and so therefore fire trucks are red, right? Isn't that the dumbest thing you've ever heard, amen? Right? Now if that explanation sounds absolutely crazy uh, crazy to you, it's no crazier to me than people whose sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ are still living their lives as if they haven't. Let's live our lives embracing the freedom that Jesus offers. 
Now, look at verse 2 going through to verse 6. Paul says, Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. For though this, uh, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. So according to these verses, here's what I think Paul is saying to us. We need to stay committed to the Gospel because true freedom comes through the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think there's this temptation to find other ways. There's temptation for us to try to earn our salvation, to try to do enough good things uh, that we think we have to do in order to be saved. The, the situation that was happening in the church at Galatia was this. There was this teaching going around by a group of people known as the Judaizers, and the teaching was that in order to become a Christian, you must first become a Jew, which means you have to follow all of the Jewish rules and customs, which means if you're a male, you have to be circumcised before you can become a Christian. And that's, I don't think that's a very good church growth strategy. Uh, but apparently there were a lot of people who were doing this, right? And Paul said this, he said, if you do this, if this is your mindset, if you think you have to do this legalistic thing before you can come to Jesus, you're in trouble. This is exactly how he puts it. Look at verse 3 one more time. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law... And, and get this, you might want to underline this or circle it in your Bible. If you're trying to jump through all the hoops and you're being legalistic and you're following all of these different things that you think you have to do to be right in the eyes of God, Paul is saying you have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. And we look at that and you know, our first thought is, how can someone be so stupid? Right? How can someone be so blinded to think that we have to do all of these things like these, these first century Christians who were getting circumcised before they become Christian? We think, how, how dumb to do these ridiculous legalistic things when we don't have to do them. And then I think about the modern day church. I think about the 21st century Christians who practice some form of legalism. It might not be to that extreme, but it's just as alienating from Christ. Right? There are some churches who teach that it's wrong to eat or drink uh, in a church building. They believe that it's dishonoring to God for people to do any of these things in a building. And if you do them, somehow they di it dishonors uh, the Lord. But these same people will maybe stand in the parking lot and, and, you know, and drink a Diet Coke or eat some cookies or something like that. You know, There's nothing in Scripture that prohibits eating in a church building. It's just one of those legalistic things that's found its way into some churches. You know, this was just their preference that they were imposing on other people. And basically what it does is it alienates people from, from building community within the church and inviting friends and talking with others and things like that. Now, this is a case where legalism was defeating the very mission of their, 
of their church. There are some churches who teach that you have to wear a certain type of clothes and women can't cut their hair. I had a family member who went to a church that didn't allow them to have a TV in their home. Uh, Now these days I can almost get on board with that, but that's not the point, right? The point is this. They couldn't have a TV in their home, but if there was something they wanted to watch, it was okay for them to go to a friend's house and watch their TV if it was a ball game or something like that, that but just don't have it in, 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 your, uh, in your home. You know? Here's the problem. When the church takes the stance on an issue that is not in the Bible, we become a barrier between God and this person trying to come to Him. Right? Instead of a bridge that helps someone get from where they're at to Jesus, we become this brick wall that that keeps them away. Some of our forefathers in the Restoration Movement said, where the Bible speaks, we speak. Where it is silent, we are silent. And we have to be very careful not to impose man-made doctrines and traditions on people and claim that this is what God wants and that it's scriptural. I remember one time I was singing, uh, it was in the, the Brazil area, um, uh, and, and I don't want to pick on a particular group of brothers and sisters, but I was singing this, this one time at a church in, in the Brazil area, and I, I was only about 21 years old or so, and so I had my little cassette tapes, you know, that I would change in between songs. Anybody remember the days when someone would come in? <laughs> And they would sing, and they'd do about an hour's worth of, they'd do about an hour-long concert, but they could only do about four songs because it took them like 25, 30 minutes to like change their cassette tapes and that. Well, that was me, and I was doing that at this particular church, and uh, there was a minister there from another church that I recognized in the crowd while I was singing, and this minister, and again, I don't want to pick on this church because I think they're dear brothers and sisters, but they, they didn't use musical instruments in, in worship. Right? And the minister of the church was there listening to me sing my songs with these fully uh, accompanied you know, tapes. And I got done singing, and he walks up to me, and my first thought was, Ruh-Ruh-Raggy, um, he's going to get all over me for using instruments in worship. He said, young man, that was some fine singing. Would you be willing to come to my church and sing a few songs some Sunday morning. I was taken back for a moment, and then I replied with something along these lines. I said, but the, the songs that I sing, I sing them with, with instruments in them. I thought your church didn't believe in, in that. And he said, no, it's okay. You can sing from the tapes because the actual instruments won't be played in the building. And then he said, just don't bring your guitar. And I politely declined. And, and again, dear brother, I, I, he's saved, he's going to heaven, that church, wonderful people. But that's, that's legalism 101. And Jesus came to set us free from that type of mindset. He came to demonstrate love to us so that we can love one another and become that bridge to the Father. And that's the final point of our message this morning. Look at verses 6-12. through 12. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Verse 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? 
That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. So here's the deal. And we'll deal more with this next week when we talk about let's go love one another. We must love one another. Paul said the only thing that counts. Isn't that interesting? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. And so we do all of these other things to try to earn our way or make ourselves seem right in the eyes of the Lord. We do all of these other things and Paul says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In other words, you can do all sorts of things, but if you're just doing things to try to earn your way or try to impress people, don't do them. Again, we think that the people in the early church were crazy for buying into this you got to be circumcised nonsense, but we can substitute a whole lot of things that we do in this day and age in the church. We can substitute them for this issue of circumcision. Now, some of you might not like what I'm about to say, but I feel like in the Christian church, baptism is the new circumcision. Now, before you start calling for my head and you start sending notes to the elders, hear me out. I believe that there is this false sense of security in some who think all I got to do is get baptized. And while I believe with all of my heart that baptism is a part of God's plan of salvation, it's not the only part. Without genuine faith, in God, baptism just gets you wet. Without genuine repentance of your sins and a change in your life, baptism just gets you wet. Without genuine love for God and other people, baptism just gets you wet. And we think, oh, we got, that's all we got to do. It's, it's part of it, but so is all of this, this other stuff. What did Jesus say when He asked what the greatest commandment was? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. If we truly want to love God, then we must truly and genuinely love one another as well. And then our response to loving God and loving others is to surrender our hearts to God, repent of our sins, be baptized into Him, and then He promises that if we do that, He will fill us with His Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God will take residence in our lives, and that will enable us to love one another like we're supposed to. Again, we'll talk more about that next week. It will enable us to love God like we're supposed to. We will fall in love with God instead of just using God as like our security blanket. Right? And much of this legalism that we're prone to sometimes, it'll fall by the wayside and we will get closer to the Lord. So let's go, folks. Let's go live in freedom. Let's live our lives as if 
the crucifixion and the resurrection really happened. You believe that it did, right? Let's live like it. And some of you might be here today and you've never expressed your love and your faith in Christ by surrendering your life to Him and by repenting of your sins and by being baptized into Him. We encourage you to come during this, this song of decision. If you're watching online, we encourage you to text the word READY to the church connection number that you'll see on the screen. You can do that here in the service as well. If you don't want to come to the front today, but you want to talk to somebody about it first, would you, would you please text that word READY to our church connection number? Maybe, uh, maybe you want to become a part of our church family. Maybe you've been attending here for a while and you're ready to make that decision to, to become a member of our church. Or maybe it is a decision to be baptized by immersion like Kara was baptized last week. Congratulations. I, we weren't here to watch that, but that was awesome to see uh, online. Um, and, but for most of you that are sitting here, you've already made that decision to follow Christ. You've already been baptized into Him. I'm going to encourage you during this time of decision to take a little bit of time talking to God and ask Him to show you some areas where you might still be chained. Some areas where you might still be bound. Maybe it's bound to sin. Maybe it's bound to legalism. Whatever it is, I encourage you to embrace the freedom that you have in Christ and allow that freedom to be a beacon of light and hope for a lost world. Let's go, folks. Would you pray with me? Let's stand.